Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambuel, editor of the Colorado Catholic Herald newspaper, and I'm joined today by Deacon Doug Flynn, who's the general counsel and chief of staff for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and Deacon Patrick Jones, who is an award-winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos. Uh, before we get into our topic for today, um, Deacon Patrick, can you lead us in an opening prayer? In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc in anora mortis nostrae. Amen. So uh, for our topic today, we are going to be discussing um, some uh, a rather, uh, I guess you could say, disturbing trend um, going on in our culture today, which is the, the um, rather sharp decline in um, the number of people who are uh, getting married and ha raising children. Um, we, there was an article dated uh, December 16th of 2021 um, in LifeSite News uh, that um, gave statistics that um, only about 17.8% of households in the United States um, now um, contain married parents with children. And to put it into- We knew we were weird, the three of us, but now we know yeah. just how <laughs> statistically weird we are. We're, we're, not, we're actually now firmly a minority, I think it's safe to say. Um, yeah, they, and, and, and in 1970, that number was 40%. So it's now we're less than half of where we were in 1970. And, um, the, and, and the article goes on to, um, you know, give some other statistics, uh, things that we kind of already knew, you know, that people are getting married at older ages um, and the birth rate uh, going down and that kind of thing. But Deacon Patrick, what, what's your take on kind of the root cause of these trends? Well, I think Humanae Vitae nailed it decades ago uh, in that it warned that when you separate the physical act of making love from fertility, then both people are objectifying each other. There's an undermining of human dignity. and the resulting poison of turning uh, one of the most precious gifts God has given us, which is uh, the act of making love within marriage, uh, turning that into something that is poisonous to society uh, because of the separation of uh, fertility from the act, um, that poison spreads to society and leads to the denigration of family. And we're seeing that poisonous fruit. Um, and it's, 
its poisons are, 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 are many, uh, the, the fruit on its, uh, branches are many in that the, uh, gender confusion, uh, the, the, the confusion around what marriage actually is, who can get married to whom, um, all of these things, Satan's greatest attacks are to take something amazing and holy that God has given us as a sacred gift and denigrate it to the point that we no longer cherish it and, and strive to put the humble, bold effort and wild trust and abandon into Christ to strive for it. Um, so as a, as a very simple answer, uh, the separation of sex from fertility that Humane Vitae describes, I think is, uh, very clearly the root cause. Well, and, uh, what, going back and reading Humana Vitae, I mean, it, it reads like a prophetic document. It's like, oh, he foresaw that this would happen and it happened. And he foresaw that that would happen and it happened. And Deacon Patrick, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just... It's a poisonous separation. And of course, you know, we all know that there are instances where people or couples are infertile because of a medical or, or some other physical situation. And we're not really talking about that. We're talking about just what the topic of the show is, being open to marriage to marriage and being open to children. So Well, and um, following up on that theme, um, Pope Francis uh devoted his Wednesday audience this week to the the same topic. Um, and he, he's kind of, you know, even though the year of St. Joseph is technically over, um, he's kind of continuing to stay on that thread of St. Joseph. And um, he says, he said, uh, what part of what he said uh, on Wednesday was, um, as the foster father of Jesus, St. Joseph is an example of the need for loving fathers and mothers in an age of notorious orphanhood. The demographic winter in many Western countries, due in part to couples unwilling to have children, diminishes us and takes away our humanity. Um, he said, and then he went on to say, there are many couples, and this, uh, just as an aside, this caused a big storm on social media. There are many couples who do not have children because they do not want to, or they have just one, but they have two dogs and two cats. Yes, dogs and cats take the place of children, the Pope said, eliciting laughter. Yes, it's funny, I understand, but it is the reality. In this way, civilization becomes aged and without humanity because it loses the richness of fatherhood and motherhood. So he really, he really kind of uh, hammered home the point there. I thought, and um, is he attacking my fur babies? <laughs> well, I think you know some of the commentators that I follow and respect, you know, were quick to point out that um, I don't think he wasn't. The Pope would definitely wasn't saying that pets don't have a place, you know, and that they're and and especially for perhaps. Um, Elderly people who, you know, are kind of lonely, um, pets can serve a very important function. But he, I think the main thing he was getting at was that they shouldn't take the place of, of having children. And um, I mean... It's almost like our society isn't capable of intellectual thought and understanding basic sentences. 
Yeah, right. I mean, like I said, it, it, I mean, it really did um, cause cause a storm on on social media, and and I I mean, I think um, you know the the issue is that um, uh, there are many you know obviously there are many families who have both pets and children, <laughs> and and so even you know they and I I mean I. I'm always, um, it's always a little tricky for me personally, because, um, in my family, uh, my, myself and my, my kids were, we all have, um, we're all very allergic to dogs and cats and, um, we don't necessarily, so we don't have that experience of that close bond that people can develop with pets. And I, I know that I've been guilty of being a little bit insensitive, you know, at times, um, I mean, you can't, you can't discount the, the emotional kind of attachment that grows, I think, um, when people have pets. And, and again, I don't think, uh, Pope Francis meant to say that that was a bad thing, but, um, you know, it is kind of interesting that he, he ties, he, he says that, you know, if, if we're unwilling to, in a sense, kind of embrace the risk of parenthood. We, we, it almost seems like it, it kind of, you know, stunts our growth. Um, realizing that of course, not everybody's called to it. Um, as Deacon Doug mentioned, you know, not everybody can have, uh, children. Um, but then, then the thing is further on in the article, he, he, uh, or sorry, further on in his address, his Wednesday audience, he goes on to say that, um, you know, couples who are childless should seriously consider adoption. And um, I know Deacon Doug, you, you've kind of had more experience in that area because you were working, I think a little bit with Catholic Charities in their adoption program. Yes. And um I've, I've worked with some other adoption agencies as well. And so there are, you do have to always try and act what's in the best interest of the, of the children who are involved, but um, uh, trying to connect uh, adult couples who can't have children and would like to raise children with sometimes it's single moms. Sometimes it's uh, someone who for whatever reason or other doesn't feel like they're in a, a financial or a psychological um position to raise a child, those types of connections and uh, the background checks that are done and stuff, you know, all are done with the idea of not never or trying to never put a child into a, a position that would be unsafe for that child for any reason. So yeah, there's a necessity for it. And, and I don't, I, I tend to agree with the Pope that in some ways, probably that process could be streamlined, uh, provided, you know, the children are, uh, children's safety and protection, uh, in these placements uh, remains a key point. And uh, I mean, I think, again, the church sometimes gets in trouble for suggesting that, you know, uh, what society has, has demonstrated that the best indicator for success for children growing up is whether they have an adult male and female role model in the house, uh, modeling that complementarity and that unity and that openness to life. Um, you know, even, even secular scientists and uh, people who do these types of polls and uh, statistical analysis say, you know, 
if you want me to predict how a, how a child will be successful growing up, let me know whether or not there's a male and a female adult figure in the house who are married and open to life. Yeah, and um, that's interesting. I mean, it, it definitely seems like um, the the mindset mindset around adoption um, has changed somewhat in recent decades. Um, you know, like there there was kind of this. It seemed like you know back in the maybe fifties, nineteen fifties, there was kind of the um, idea that. Um, the it would be a, a a hush hush thing in a sense you know and um the the adoptive parents would just kind of um not talk about the the situation the circumstances that led to led to the adoption um now it seems like um open adoptions are much more popular and I know that um, my my brother-in-law and his wife, um, who, when when they got married um, close to twenty years ago, now they they uh, it, they knew right away that they would never have um, biological children. So they they jumped into the adoption process pretty quickly, and so that's how they now have have seven adopted children. Um, and they they pretty much have um, done all open adoptions, and so th- in some cases, anyway, the birth parents are very very involved. And um, I have to say, like watching them kind of from a distance, it's really changed my perspective because um, the one in the, their their oldest daughter who is now college age, I mean, she actually um, is at the point where she's kind of um, she, living, not living with, but in, in very, very close contact with her birth parents and spends a lot of time at their house. So um, this, this aura of like secrecy and covering up that kind of thing. I mean, I, there's different perspectives on it, I know, but um, that's completely gone. And it's almost like um, it was almost like my brother-in-law and his wife kind of stepped in to take, you know, to, to um, provide what she needed. But, um, it, you know, it, it, it's I, I feel like they're um, it's so selfless in a sense because now, now um, they're in a, they're sharing kind of you know their their child back with the birth parents and um, it's it's got to be I mean I think there's a lot of ups and downs with that and a lot of struggles for sure but um, it's really an amazing witness I think you know to um, the the importance of keeping adoption as uh, something that's part of the discussion and some of their other, um, but the other thing too, that I, I wanted to throw in there with this whole thing is that their, their seven adopted children, um, came from like a wide variety of, um, racial and ethnic backgrounds, you know, um, and yet they all 
they they still function, you know, they still interact like the same as as normal siblings um, or biological siblings. <laughs> I should say there's nor- normal maybe is relative, but um, and and so the um, the the they the uh, it, it really is amazing how God gives the grace and kind of steps in um, and can take again take these these children um who you know they all they all came to them as infants but again s- still and all from very diverse circumstances and um you know for- formed them into this beautiful family i so i um like i said i i i i've have not been much involved myself in their life but um j- you know getting their christmas cards and seeing them you know once a year or whatever, it's, it's really amazing. It's always amazing to me. Um, just what, uh, what they have put to, what they've built together, you know. Adoption is a beautiful expression of, uh, what marriage is revealing God's love to the world in the love of husband and wife, and then reaching out and, and uh, being open to new life, however that comes. And uh, so welcoming children through adoption, welcoming uh, being open to life uh, through having biological children, um, it's society. uh, If we're truly living as Catholics, uh, there was some, some point that I saw the phrase radically Catholic, I thought, well, if you're actually being Catholic, you don't need the radically in there. <laughs> um, it takes care of itself. Exactly. At all times throughout history, if you're truly being Catholic, you're radical wherever you are. Um, and the uh, the beautiful irony is we get to be radically Catholic by being Catholic, um, by being obedient to what God's revealed truth is through the church. And that's that marriage is one man to one woman as one flesh for life. And what, what an amazing treasure the three of us can attest to, uh, as can all, uh, sacramentally married couples, it's an amazing treasure of journeying through life um, with one person, which is a depth that cannot be equaled, uh, because of the intimacy, because of the, the sacrament and the grace bestowed on, uh, husband and wife as one flesh through the sacrament. Yeah. I mean, well, one of the things that, um, the, uh, these are, the article uh, by LifeSite News pointed out is um, just um, how many people are uh, not get you know just living alone essentially and not not getting married at all. So um, it kind of makes you wonder. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like at least when it, when I was much younger, um, that wasn't necessarily seen as like a desirable (laughs) 
thing, a lifestyle, and and somehow um, somehow in recent decades now there uh, it's, it seems it, you know I, I guess my my point is when I was say a teenager or a college student um, people may have I, I mean I think there were you know there were a lot of false ideas about marriage floating around, but it was still kind of seen as a, a worthy goal. Um, and now it kind of has shifted to um, this rad- kind of more of a radical individualism is, is kind of how What's I'm the reading. point? Why yeah. would I get married? Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's just this quagmire that I have to extract myself from when, you know, our, our interests change or whatever drifts happen because we're kind of aimless anyway. Well, and, and even couples who are getting married are waiting longer and longer to have children and or, you know, suffering from that false dichotomy that we talked about several shows ago about it's an either or. You either have children or you have a career and the continual, I don't want to say shaming of women, but almost expectation that society in some ways tries to put on women saying, you know, being a mother is not a high calling, your, your sense of self-worth should be bound up in, you know, whether you become a professional or, or you're making a lot of money in the workplace. And it really is a false dichotomy. Yeah. It, it's just, um, you, you know, that it, it definitely seems like um, there's a lot of uh, fear uh, f- uh, um, surrounding the whole idea of, of marriage right now. Um, for people. And I, I, I mean, one of the many lessons I suppose we could draw from this is, and I'm, I'm directing this primarily at myself, is like, we, we really have to be careful. And uh, when I say be careful, but um, we have to pray about how we um, present things. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, to just kind of going back to the basics, you know, really trying to maintain that atmosphere of cheerfulness in the home, um, you know, trying to curb the complaining. I mean, we all need to vent sometimes. Um, but I have to say as like, a, as a rig- a rig- a rig- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, but, but, you know, think about, I guess, the, the, uh, who, who's the appropriate audience for that and, and that such and such. Um, it, because again, you know, it, it, it's really has caused me, I think, um, over the years to, you know, in my own examination of conscience, go back and think, okay, I probably didn't need to, you know, bring up that thing, um, in front of my kids or I, you know, I probably didn't need to, um, you know, rattle on to my friend or my sister-in-law about this thing that was annoying me. I mean, again, it's, it's not to say that, you know, we're trying to present this Pollyanna view of things, but I, I, I do think that um, we have to uh, we have to try to not present family life as just a burden. Um, 
you know, there again, there are challenges and and there are problems. But uh, one of the one of the people I listen to on the the radio quite frequently is a doctor is, is a Catholic um, therapist and and psychi- psychologist who. I think it's such great advice. You know, it's like when when problems crop up um, in in family life or elsewhere. You know, to try to train um, train yourself to think about all the times that God has uh, what you know come through for us in the past or guided us through difficulties, um, and re- and that's not to say that you know we're, we're um, we won't have some moments of anxiety or, you know, whatever, but to, and, and I, I think that's just such great advice, you know, and, and, and also to get in the habit of telling others about how, um, about God, you know, brought you through difficulties because I mean, the, if, if you, you know, on, on, from a purely human perspective, it um, being open to life can seem very terrifying. You know, I mean, there, there. I mean, I have to say, you know, there, there are things that have happened where I, I, I just, why, well, I, I just never dreamed. You know, it's like, wow, um, that's a new one. But, um, <laughs> but uh, that's but kind of it, the definition of being a parent, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and so I, I, I just, I think that's one thing. Um, maybe this, you know, especially during this, since we're still in the Christmas season that, um, it it could be worth thinking about just how, what is the attitude that I present, you know, when I'm among friends, um, especially maybe younger unmarried people, uh, do I do, is the attitude I present is that my life is just so hard and drudgery or do I have a more joyful, you know, attitude of, yeah, you know, there's there's, it's pretty tough on some days, but, you know, but with God's grace, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's just my own personal perspective. Well, well, definitionally, in terms of the hard challenges to life that God, how many has God brought us through? Isn't the answer all of them? (laughs) We're all here. It's God's fault. Uh, This world (laughs) is God's fault. <laughs> I'm still here because of God. And what an amazing gift that is. Um, and this is kind of putting the three of us a, a bit on the spot here, but, uh, you know, we collectively have um, quite a bit of experience living out the vocation of marriage as one flesh. Um and at the risk of being kind of asking the the typical question, but what, what is the advice that we would each give to, um, someone discerning their vocation, someone struggling in their vocation, um, of marriage? Uh, and since I'm the one asking the question, I should probably answer it first. Um, but I would, I would say that in our experience, getting, uh, kneeling together on our knees before the crucifix and praying daily. That's, um, probably the singular most rich and de- deep thing that we can do 
to uh, ensure the strength of the sacrament that God has entrusted to us. Um, and that feeds everything else that we do. Yeah, I, I, Deacon Patrick, I totally second what you just said. Prioritizing the, the prayer life is, um, you know, it it is so easy, to, I think, to fall into the trap, especially I know for myself, you know, as as a mother with a lot of young kids to, to, th- to say that I don't, you know, I don't have time to pray. Um, but pray without ceasing. I mean, ceasing. Uh, how are we supposed to do that? <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not going to, I mean, everybody has to figure out what, what type of schedule and thing, you know, works best for them. And it's going to change depending on this, your stage in life. But um, I mean, I, I guess if to look, you know, when I look back on um, my, my married life, I, and I, and I think this is pretty common, but I would say I I wish I would have worried about some things a lot less and spent a lot more time, you know, praying. Um, because generally speaking, the the things that I was worried about w- ended up being like non-issues or didn't even come to pass, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm not, and that's not to say that I didn't. Pr- I mean, I don't think I ever stopped praying, but um, there were there were times where I let the prayer and the sacraments sacraments kind of, um, you know slide and um it, you know you realize that that's probably also the times where i was really you know struggling the most well it's been moved and seconded that uh we should try and uh, increase the, our prayer life with our family uh, all those in favor i <laughs> <laughs> no i i think those are both beautiful uh, and i guess the only thing i would add to it uh, is you know, it doesn't have to be a monastic tradition where you're play, praying at 6 a.m. and noon and 6 p.m. That's beautiful, and uh, if, if your family situation allows you to do that. But I guess the one thing that I have found helpful is to try and make a point, especially as everybody's, all my kids grow up and they started doing other things and sports and drama and, uh, you know, spending wanting to spend more and more time with friends. Uh, is to is to try and make it a point to at least sit down for a, an evening meal together and pray grace and uh, you know one of the things we do especially on big occasions when when the whole family's together is just go around the table and and say what we're thankful for and um, it really can be a beautiful way to to bring everybody together and remind everybody that you know we're, we're focused on doing God's will and even and especially when that seems super, super hard, it really isn't. It's really easy <laughs> if you let go and let God, as they say. I don't know that it's easy, but I've, I say this thing and it starts to sound trite after a bit, but uh, it's simple and all things that are simple are hard and they just, it's easy to conflate simple to easy because it's easy to understand the simple, but it takes a lifetime to master. That's well and, said. Uh, and prayer is that way. There's, uh, I, I don't remember one of our daughters we uh, jokingly refer to as the proper of saints. Um, <laughs> and uh, she was reminding us of a story of one of the saints, and I can't remember who it was, uh, who was going along and met a farmer. Uh, and 
the saint had been uh, praying the rosary with um, without looking around him. Uh, and so the farmer was chastising him and saying, you should be looking around and gazing at God's creation. And he said, well, I, if I do that, I'm distracted when I'm praying. And the farmer said, well, there's no problem there. Uh, I don't have a, that problem at all. Uh, and so the, the saint said, well, uh, uh, if, if you can pray a single, our father, uh, without distraction, then I'll give you my donkey. And if you get distracted, then you come and be a monk, uh, in my monastery. And, uh, so the farmer agreed to that and, uh, started praying and got a few words in and said, um, does that include the saddle and bridle? <laughs> the monk was going to kick him in the shins. <laughs> Keep your focus on that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was with you, and I, I kind of thought, well, maybe not. That probably would be against the spirit of a bet. But yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that. That's a great note to end on. Well, we are actually uh, over time today, so uh, we should probably wrap up. Um, Deacon Doug, would you mind leading us in a closing prayer? Certainly. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pernobis peccatoribus, nunc en an ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Catholic Halos podcast. And just a reminder, you can find um, this episode and all the past episodes of Catholic Halos on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, other uh, other popular podcast platforms. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you next.